My name is Chris Little. I am the host of the Lifestyle Chase Podcast. This is Season 5. Welcome back to the Lifestyle Chase Podcast. I have brought to the show for the first time ever, Eric Pullman. How are you today? Good. I'm happy to be here. Sweet. So... A lot of my audience may not know who you are. Some may. We might have some mutual friends that are tuning in because they're seeing two cool guys on the show together. But if you're introducing yourself to a bunch of strangers, how do you do so? I'm Eric Pullman. I'm a strength and conditioning coach at LIU, which is a nearby college just for the wrestling team. And then I have a small gym out of a wrestling club. So I train a lot of wrestlers other high school athletes and some of their parents and adults. Love it. So something that I was curious about as I was kind of prepping for the show, like what is your kind of like attachment to wrestling? What made it something that was so formative in your career now? So I got into wrestling. I was a baseball player up until probably high school. And I just loved the culture way more in wrestling where it was kind of like a be quiet and work hard kind of thing. And I don't even know if that that's what I what I was like before wrestling, but something about it, I, I was just more drawn to that. I was a terrible wrestler at first. So I just got really into it. And with that, I came across lifting, and I really didn't know how to do any of it. I watched a bunch of YouTube videos, still didn't know anything. Learned from a bunch of, learned from a bunch of people, really just like passing by information. I still didn't know anything. And then kept just trying more and more and, and started to get a grasp on what to do. Then, you know, who I am and who I'm friends with, other wrestlers, and my personality is kind of like a, a wrestling person. So I gravitated towards that. Well, when you say personality, kind of like a wrestling person, let's break that down. What are the characteristics that make up a wrestling person? Huh. I don't know. I think like, hor- I like not, not to sound arrogant or anything, but I like things like, Hardworking, consistent, kind of like head down mentality. You know, what I love the quote, what's done in the dark will, will always show in the light because that's kind of wrestling. Just cross every single T, dot all your I's, and just work, work, work. You'll see, you'll see the fruits of your labor at some point. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the reason I ask that is like, I've been doing jujitsu for the past few months. And every time I come across a white belt with a wrestling background, I'm like, ah, shit. Because <laughs> there is just so much like of a foundation to that person. Like I can't just look at them and think of them on the same level because I already know that they have a skill set and sort of like this personality. But with the right attitude, it's a great opportunity to learn from other people's modalities and from like the things that they have in their toolbox rather than getting bent out of shape about it. About Because I look at jujitsu as like a never-ending process where I don't necessarily need to be the best right away or anything like that. It's just I need to look for the opportunities where I can learn and I need to put in as much effort as I can because that's how I get as much reward out. And I think there's a lot of crossover between the two sports in that way, which is kind of why they kind of like intertwine for a lot of different athletes with regards to just as you've gotten older and as you've matured through just your personal life and stuff, how has wrestling helped you to face different obstacles and stressors and stuff like that? Um, So Wrestling is just 
constant beat up. People talk about like football versus wrestling, which, you know, who gets injured more and wrestling is just always a, some sort of little nagging injury. And as soon as you feel like maybe you don't have one of those, maybe you have a sickness or something like that. And there's just, it's just all about being relentless. And I think that's helped me in every, every part. So uh, uh, does that help? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if totally. I like, I think it just kind of comes down to the fact that I'll, I'll use an example. So recently, one of my good friends who has never done jujitsu or wrestling or anything like that asked me what, like, the recovery time is for a jujitsu session. And I kind of, like, circled around it. I, like, didn't really have an answer. I was like, uh, just, you just go. <laughs> as many times as you can and as long as nothing is broken and as long as it's not excruciating pain you just go again and repeat rinse repeat because it's like it's like you say i mean i showed up to practice today and my leg felt bruised and like all kinds of nagging stuff but you just kind of show up because if you don't who's going to show up for you and some of the things that I like to see oftentimes in, in social media is when they bring up your your training partner might be relying on you to show up that day. And that can work with all kinds of different self-defense or just like hands-on activities such as wrestling and such. Um, when it's come to getting to the point where you're refining your process and you're having to demonstrate it to a third party, like how do you get through that? Do you ever get nervous? Do you ever second guess yourself despite the fact that you're putting your head down and working hard? Yeah. I mean, definitely. I, I don't think there's ever going to be no self-doubt at all. That's probably a good thing. I, I would always talk about getting nervous before my matches and my coach would learn how to learn how to channel it. But at the end of the day, that's probably a good thing that you're getting nervous. It means you care. It means that you probably have some sweat equity involved, but at the same time, you know, that, that confidence it, it grows stronger. You you wrestle a bunch of matches. You feel better. You know what to expect. But at the end of the day, there, there's still that oh, those butterflies and and I don't know if that'll ever go away. I don't. It doesn't seem like it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's it's sort of almost normal for it to always exist, and it's just kind of like how we navigate it that kind of sets us apart. Like we can either let it consume us, or we can let it shock us for a little bit and then move past it or use it or something like that. Yeah. When you're when you're working with other people, what are the ways that you bring out the best in them as a coach? So this is this is the age old question. Do you have to have played the sport to coach it? And I, I don't think so. As much as I would love to say so, because I wrestled so I could help wrestlers. I've recommended coaches who haven't wrestled to wrestlers just because I think they're good coaches and they'll understand it. But Building a connection with somebody and understanding like how they're feeling when they're cutting weight and little things like that, or how they feel after hard practice, their shoulders are beat up, stuff like that. Building that connection is has been very helpful and and fun, honestly, because just relating to the person on, on a more personal scale is is it like once once they it just it builds an extra level of care. Mm-hmm. So it's always always important to just get on that same level so i think that's like being able to relate to the just the feelings and emotions is extremely important 
and then the the trust, and then I get to do more of what I want to do. So definitely, like the the relating to them is is huge. I mean, if you think back to the different people that you've coached, is there one instance or maybe a several instances that stand out as an example of one of the stronger connections where that little piece that you shared with us kind of like held true? Like just something where you go, okay, that's it. Like I see it in this person. Like they trust me. This is awesome. Yeah. It's a game of giving them what they want, but also kind of having to do my stuff because I truly do believe in it. Mm-hmm. So if recently there's just a lot of wrestlers cutting weight, we have meets on Friday, Saturday, and you have, it's a, it's so much of a give and take and it's so much of just building a template out and letting people fill in, especially the college guys that I have. I've kind of taught them my system as time in the past six months and they started to get what I want kind of my template of work. And a lot of times it's asking, giving two, three, even four options and then asking what they want to do and what they think is best for them. Me assessing that and then letting it go through, or maybe taking a little bit from that. I don't know. This is specific example, but it's always that, that template they they pick and then I kind of approve if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. Like just in the matter of you have sort of like a model that you can base things off of that you can kind of create some buy-in with the people that you work with. And then they kind of know that they can trust that you have a set path and then just kind of working with them to sort of find the navigation within the parameters of, of your model essentially. Right. Exactly that. Like, we know what we have to hit every day, all the different little buckets that, that I want to fill. And then from there, we'll, we'll find a way to get it done. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that have drawn me to your content as of late is just like the little pieces of content where you're talking about strength training for a sport like this. So what is your philosophy with regards to kind of like a person standing out competitively by pairing strength training with their regular sport training? I... So, so pairing the two, strength training and wrestling. Right now, so we're in season. It It's going to differ from my 21-year-olds versus the 12-year-olds. I try to make this distinction because on a 12-year-old, I'm okay if you go into a, a tournament a little sore because we're looking to develop you as, a, as an athlete. But those college guys and maybe those more competitive guys, and depending on what the tournament is, that's where we're going to start to see it. So, like, those older, very developed wrestlers who need to win this match ahead of them, minimum effective dose. On the, on the other side, we're looking at the opposite, maximum effective dose. How much can we do without, of course, completely interfering with wrestling to go and develop, honestly? So that's kind of – those two are always the game that I'm playing. I'm ready to crush some 12-year-olds with some strength training. <laughs> 21-year-olds, though, one, they're going to be cutting more weight, hopefully. And two, they're, they're built. You know how easy it is to, to retain strength? Yep. Let's go. We get, let's, let's get them feeling good with some good reaches and tucks, and we're good to go. Sweet. When somebody is maybe a couple weeks out from a competition, would you prioritize technique or would you prioritize conditioning? 
always prioritize technique. Always. I, I never even think it's a question. Due to how specific conditioning is and how specific everything is, I always try to prioritize technique. And again, it's that game of art. Right, it's ne- You're never going to be completely fresh or not sore at all. We still have some work to do, and it's worth it to be a little sore and to not feel amazing every practice. But at the same time, there are so many of the best wrestlers ever and strongest wrestlers ever, best conditioned wrestlers ever, who have never done anything outside of the wrestling mat. Mm-hmm. So we need to prioritize technique because that specific skill goes farther than anything. Mm-hmm. You know what that- I mean? It's all. It, it, it is. I hate to say this as a strength coach, but the, the mat is is where the the magic happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that makes sense, and I mean I see it across so many different instances where people will be like, "Hey, if you want strength training in a sport like this, like you're literally moving like full bodies around on the mat. So in some way, shape, or form, like that is." An example of strength training is just is not a cable or a dumbbell. It's like a whole ass human. (laughs) Exactly. And it's funny. We hear things like other trainers will have wrestlers come in. It's like they can mat return dudes that are 225 pounds. But for some reason, when you put a bar on their back, it just doesn't feel right. and, And they can't squat 225 pounds. But you just did it wrestling after two hours and you're tired. And the, the dudes in front of you, like, it doesn't make any sense. But, yeah, of course. I mean, the lifting, you are lifting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's a funny little nuance of just getting stronger in a general sense is that we don't really give credit for all of the different modalities. Sometimes we get hyper fixated on just what is the optimal way. And it's just honestly, if, if the thing weighs or if the person weighs a lot of weight and you're moving it, you're strength training, like, in some way, shape, or form. But... When you brought up just a person's like sort of training methodology in which some of the athletes don't do much other than what they do on the mat, it kind of gets me thinking about like just coaches and trainers' lack of work-life balance. So I kind of want to dig into that with, with your life. I mean, I'm an example of a not-so-great work-life balance, so I can be vulnerable with that. But curious as to what your life looks like outside of just what you do in the gym. Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> that question recently i hang out with my friends a little bit i go mm. to wrestling tournaments watch ufc and, and fighting i go to jujitsu i've been wrestling about try to once a week and then jujitsu try to three times a week and then i try to strength train three times so i guess that's still work i don't know I, work out. I like it it's fun um, judgment here <laughs> i really love I think I get to do a lot of different things for my work. So mm. I kind of like the, the amount of time I get to put in so, into social media, the amount of sessions I get to do in person, different I, adults in the morning, college kids in the afternoon, then fifth graders, then some high school athletes. I get to do some different workouts in between post on Instagram, do stuff like this. Like maybe I don't have a ton of work life balance, but it's the balance that I like. So what do I do outside of this? I like to just, ha- if I'm not working, I like to really just hang out and do nothing. Um, mm-hmm. I like hiking a lot, fishing, outdoor stuff, 
hanging really just hanging out though um a big music fan like concerts are probably my favorite thing to do outside of of i don't know just working <laughs> well i mean when did you start doing jujitsu because now you piqued my interest four months ago Sweet. We're synced right up. I started in, I think, October or something like that. So yeah, I think I started middle of November. Nice. Wow. Okay. Maybe it's only been two months. Never mind. So yeah, what sparked months. it for you? What got things going? I think just the normal wrestling to jiu-jitsu kind of bridge. And then a bunch of my friends do it. And Matt Sarah. I'm not sure. He's ridiculous. Like one of the best black belts ever trained, at, and he's a UFC champ. His place is huge and has tons of black belts, and it's like a legendary place. That's one minute from the gym. So my friend, I have a couple of friends that go there. Friends who do jujitsu. I work with some jujitsu athletes, so it was kind of like something that I I wanted to get into for a while. I just recovering from from hip surgeries, so kind of figuring that whole thing out. And yeah. Yeah. Has it changed any of your philosophies on things, whether that be life or social media or athleticism or anything like that? Jiu-jitsu? Yeah. I'm I'm surprised by how much how much I enjoyed just like going to not think about anything else and be locked into this one thing that I'm doing right in front of me. Yeah. Uh, I don't honestly watch like my friends watch a lot of it. And we'll watch like the Gordon Ryan videos on YouTube or whoever it is. And I'll, I'll watch it with them and, and it's fun, but I won't really do that. I, I will, if we're hanging out, then, then cool. I'm interested. I'm interested. Of course, if we talk about it, it is, it is a hobby, but I'm not as locked in it like as they are or what I was like when I wrestled, but it, it's, it's definitely more of a hobby than just doing cardio or anything like that. So I'm, yeah, I, I love I, I would just to kind of get away from everything else and be in there for an hour and a half and meet new people from all walks of life and and just get get into it. Yeah, I mean, the point that you brought up about how you can just like go in there and just not think about anything else, that's been one of the biggest takeaways for me because it's like you can have so many things on the go and it feels like it doesn't stop and it feels like it keeps piling on or maybe some crazy stuff in the world is going down, but you just go to jujitsu and it's just kind of like, clean slate because you're working on either slowing down somebody from killing you or eliminating somebody from killing you. <laughs> like it, It's such an interesting modality in which it challenges people to finally just not be concerned with so many of the things that we shouldn't be concerned about. And where I've seen great value in it isn't just where it helps me to approach social media differently, where I'm like, most of this stuff doesn't actually matter. And like some of this stuff isn't even that real. And so I can just focus on like the people that I'm serving and the people that I'm kind of aligned with and my goals, the things that bring me joy and just to go from there and not be so concerned about things that don't really matter. And clients, clients told me that all the time when during their sessions, they're like, I love this. This is me time. I do what I want. This has nothing to do with my business, nothing to do with work or I love my family, but I get an hour to myself. I get an hour and a half to myself and I'm just better when I leave and that makes me happier. And, and same thing. It, it gets you out of, out of my world and brings me more into like reality in a way. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, it, it's funny because you could have a good conversation or, or I can help somebody out in person that's having whatever, Whatever 
it doesn't have to be complicated. Just a whatever strength question or like I get to help somebody in the jujitsu school of like that compared to an Instagram comment that some person doesn't agree with me. It's like it's not even close to one's real and one's one's just on Instagram or whatever. So, yeah, it's fluff. It doesn't doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you brought up the hip surgery and that kind of got my attention because I can imagine that would be sort of a humbling experience. How how did it come to that? What what led to that? Was it just an injury or just something that was nagging? So started when I don't know when when it started. I had, I had right shoulder pain. I don't know like how how we want to get into this. I know I was with you like in some older mentorships where they the bio you know the biomechanical model will say probably start at my right shoulder pain. I had scoliosis when I was younger, right shoulder pain from baseball, right shoulder pain all throughout wrestling. And after wrestling, I started doing Olympic weightlifting with a guy who was amazing, amazing coach, but it was more just like a class model program. And we were squatting 10, 8, 5, 3, 1 heavy three days a week on top of all the weightlifting. So I tried to max out every single session. And got some knee pain, had some like hip tightness, like a classic like tendonitis kind of thing, where it's just like, yeah, it's kind of annoying, but whatever, I'll keep wrestling. That was the beginning of my freshman year. Three and a half years, three years later, it turns into like after practice, I was taking five Advil to help me go to sleep. So that level of, it went from like tightness where everyone told me I needed to stretch to pain that was unbearable and really affecting me in every single, every day, because I can't even, can't do anything without feeling that pain and feeling that uncomfortableness. So that happened and I got, I decided to get surgery. My junior year of wrestling was COVID. My senior year, I was trying to push through it, but I couldn't do it. So I got surgery in August of 2021. And then I got my other hip in October of 2021. So when you're going through processes like that, like getting to the point where you're taking Advil to manage pain to the point where it's just unbearable, do you have like external influences that kind of lead you in the right direction or is it all internally motivated where you're just kind of being like, okay, we're too far in this direction. We need to recalibrate. We need to figure out something to to solve this, this thing that we're dealing with. I, I think a lot of it was with myself. Mm-hmm. I think I have like just a thought that wrestling coaches don't want to hear about pain, even though it's not really true. I think it's just something that maybe when we're very young, like more beginning of high school, middle school, the wrestling coaches don't want to hear about the pain as much. And rightfully so. I get it. And, and that's kind of the blessing and the curse of wrestling is you push through anything. So I really did push through anything, but it was probably way more than I should have. Uh, I was so afraid to tell my coaches, afraid to kind of break that ice and be like, all right, there's a problem, instead of just pushing it down more and more and more. So, and a lot of it too, I started to learn more about PRI and how much, and so that was helping me so much, learn how to shift your center mass back and it's, oh my God, like this is unbelievable. That's a high hamstring. This is crazy. But 
wrestle five days a week. It doesn't matter how much you push your center mass back. Your hip shot, it doesn't really matter. So I was like, that's the next thing. I'll get better after this, and then I'll wrestle and I'll be good. And I mean, I did that for over a year. Started with like a, a, a nice 90-90, and it was like, this is amazing. And then it really just gave me like a life preserver. It threw me a life preserver, but I'm still stranded in the middle of the ocean. Mm-hmm. So it's only going to get you so far. So at some point, did you have to tell like one of your coaches or one of your yeah. people that what was happening? So I told my I, – I had kind of two coaches at the time where one of them was a little a little less – not serious, but he was more of not the coach who was all – I kind of like just met him when I moved into this space. He's a coach of the club. And so I was kind of telling him, I think I just felt more comfortable because he wasn't like my main wrestling coach. And I, I don't know why. That's not even a real, it was all just kind of made up in my head, I'm sure. But I told him a little bit, but it wasn't like, it was just kind of like why I'm taking a little more time on my own to warm up, why I didn't do some extra stuff after practice, like little things like that. And then I still remember I kind of like broke down a little bit with my other coach. I I twisted my knee or, or hurt something else. And he was like, you know what? How about you just sit out the rest of the practice? And I was kind of like, no, I, I got, I kind of just let it all go. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm ever going to wrestle again, or I'm not going to wrestle for a really long time because my hip has been killing me so much for years. I was, I meant to quit before COVID and then COVID happened. So COVID gave me a little bit of time to kind of heal up, but I never really stopped wrestling. So I kind of just let it all out and, and just broke down in a way. And, and he was completely fine, completely fine with it. Never was like, yeah, you should get checked out and whatnot. I definitely built up also a level of trust with my coaches. I did this in high school too, to where if I said something wasn't feeling good or it wasn't feeling good or something like that, it's all right. I know he wants to wrestle and I know he's trying to work hard. So there must actually be something going on. I remember my, Wrestling has a lot of kids that don't always want to be there as much as some of the other kids. So, like, I, I remember I had a stomach virus senior year, and they were and they were all like, I, I'm sure Eric is dying at home. All he wants to do is go to practice. He can't believe he missed one. And it's true, like, I was trying to go perfect. I never wanted to miss practice. So, yeah, like, once I told him that, he knew that, of course, I wanted to wrestle. Of course, I love wrestling. I wanted to work as hard as I could and do more and more and more. So there must actually be a problem if I feel like this bad. Yeah, well, I mean, that even circles back to your talk about how important connection is with the people that you work with. Because then at the same time, like the people that work with you need to have that same connection because it's just can apply ourselves as hard as we can in, in sports like this. But at some point, there's going to be like a fault where it's okay. Like things like medicating pain that's like a a treacherous path that has irreversible like outcomes and things like injuries where it could impact the quality of your life it's it's such a fine line that we navigate so to be able to open up to the people that are like helping you hone your skills is is kind of like a, a power move in a sense because you're equipping yourself for a better standard of life like for the next decade and plus kind of thing. Cause if we sort of, if we just think that we can just get through absolutely anything, we're being a little bit naive 
because nobody's bulletproof. Like we're capable of incredible things, but it's just, we do need to know when to dial it back or pivot or look at the drawing board again. Definitely. hundred percent. Have you ever had to have that kind of a vulnerable conversation with somebody that you've worked with where they had to like, maybe they showed a bunch of promise, but something just backfired on them and they had to own up to it and you had to support them? There have been some some private conversations that are outside of the wrestling room and outside of the, the weight room for sure. But I think it happens all the time where I'm holding people back from a sense of like, all they want to do is more and more or they're coming off a, a hard tournament or a hard loss. And it's like or their first workout back is that Monday lift before practice. So a lot of times I'm holding people back because they, they're fresh. They have energy. They have the spite from the loss. But they're not fully realizing that they have to be ready for the Saturday tournament practice Monday through Friday. They're still eight pounds above their weight. So I'm holding them back a little bit to like, Let's not go to failure on our heavy squats. Let's not do as many sets as we can. Let's hold back a little bit so you could push more in in wrestling and on the wrestling mat. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And I mean, like, just taking that measured approach to be intelligent about what your desired outcomes are for, like, the rest of the week. Because I can think of examples where, like, I could just really apply myself in my strength training and just be completely shot when it comes to going to jujitsu or I could just get like the minimum effective dose of my strength training and have it benefit me as much as possible for jujitsu. Well, still if my legs are shot, there's not much I can do. If somebody could just topple me over like that. 100%. Like it happens almost every single Monday. Everyone is fresh and ready to go and wants to lift. And then it, I hear it all the time, like, oh, I shouldn't have went as heavy on squats. or, I sh-, and, and that's the game. You're never going to be absolutely perfect the first time you do it. But as time goes on, you start, to get, you start to realize, all right, this is the amount that I could do to still progress, but this is not too much to where I feel wrecked on the wrestling mat, and those workouts are completely thrown out because I decided to do an extra set of heavy squats or I decided mm-hmm. to do 315 instead of 300 because – at the end of the day, that's not going to make the difference on the wrestling now. Kind of finding this balance and managing that is going to help you progress over the long haul. So as you're kind of working through improving on your own craft, whether personally or professionally, is there any kind of like personal development that you dive into, whether it be like the self-help books or maybe something that you do to set yourself up for the best kind of day? I don't know. I think I'm at a stage in my life where I don't have a family or this is what I hear from a lot of people where I don't have a family or, and I do just have kind of a lot of time on my hands and I just try to do a lot that will help me professionally because I love, this is what I do. But at the same time, like me doing this podcast might not, shoot me past everybody else or, or double the, the, the size of my business tomorrow. But it's a fun thing. I enjoy it. It will help me. I feel like that's like everything that I do right now is it's not a crazy thing, but 
it will help me both professionally and I enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something that I can work on, get better at and progress over time. I'm going to look back at this podcast as being my third podcast ever. And just how confident, not confident, but like how clear I am, how hesitant I am, even just like where my camera's set up, my microphone, everything is going to be better in a year, better in a month, maybe better the next podcast I do. And same thing with jujitsu. Jujitsu isn't going to grow my business, but maybe I'll get some clients who do jujitsu. Maybe I can connect with them. Maybe it helps me grow mentally. Maybe it's a great outlet for me to work super hard and still grapple and wrestle. And, and it will help me. I go to wrestling practice at LIU with them. I got, I'm just going to repeat myself. Not going to grow my business, marginal help to the wrestlers, but me being in the wrestling room with them will be a lot of fun. It'll build connection. It'll help that relationship. And only that will only grow. I spend a lot of time on social media and I have an expensive camera that I barely know how to use. And I do a lot of extra time, like filming. So at, at LIU practices, I'll go and like just walk around and film. And it's great because I love it. I think it's fun to edit and film. I get to be there. They think that the pictures and videos are cool. And it again, and then I get like a few more followers and then it's not bad to have more followers. So do I care that much about followers? I don't know. Is it bad to have a lot of them? Especially if I like the growth and I like what it takes to grow, then sure. Cool. I have members that I have members in the gym. Is it like life or death? If I, if I have 10% more members next month, no, but it's fun and I enjoy doing it. And I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. It makes sense. And it's just, it's kind of cool to see kind of like the passion that comes out of it because it's, it's relatable. I think three of people in the industry would be lying if they didn't say that they related to all of that. And what's interesting is just how much opportunity there is to kind of like hone our craft and just like the different perspectives that can come into play. So one thing that I'll bring up is you talked about going to jujitsu and how it wouldn't necessarily help your business. But at the same time, I think if we are able to frame it in the sense that we're able to see the opportunities where it could, that's pretty cool. And I won't even look at it from like a business perspective, but more so from like a, uh, just your presence in just life perspective, because it's like, you're going to have much stronger connections because of the presence that you show with people, because there's no denying a person be a lot more attentive if they're in a sport where it's like either you pay attention or you die. And then that will have crossover to every interaction that you have in your day. And it'll help you refine like your, your bandwidth, like where you might've said that you have no time or energy for something that could have helped you. Now you've kind of been able to navigate and eliminate the things that don't matter like the spam emails and like the gossip that you hear about, or maybe like some flyer that came in the mail that agitated you, just all this extra fluff in the world. And you're able to kind of like refine that and then like sharpen the needle and like point in the direction that you want to go and make the right connections and do the right things that you need. And it's just, there's so many opportunities beyond the lanes that we delve in. And even just the fact that you've invested in your camera, So with that is going to come opportunities to learn from people that are outside of the fitness industry, because my perspective is that 
despite the fact that there's a lot of people in fitness doing content on the grand stage of like camera usage, there's probably people that are better capable of using cameras outside of the fitness industry. So I'm always diving down the rabbit hole, trying to learn from them, watching like wedding videos, watching cinematography, watching touristy videos, and just seeing their techniques and their storytelling ways. Cause I'm like, there's a world beyond the, the walls of the fitness industry and like the strength training industry. And there, there's no sense in ignoring that fact. So it's just, you might think that the parameters of your interests are kind of like defined and stuck, but they're actually a lot more fluid than what you might realize. And just the more connections we make, like speaking to the value that you spoke to of the podcast, every single time that I interview somebody, I kind of walk away with another layer to me. So no matter how the conversation went, I almost feel like I have another layer of context, another lens in which I can see the world, some more like life experiences that I've kind of like transposed from somebody else where I didn't necessarily have to go through the thing, but then I can kind of relay it to the people that I talk to to better connect. So where I might not have had a conversation with somebody who had had hip surgeries before, now I have. And yep. when I come across somebody, I can kind of like point them into the example of someone who's been through it and had to deal with it and had to navigate all that stuff. Definitely. And, and the jujitsu thing too, like you said, it, it definitely just opens me up a ton to more that gets me out of my own world and realizes what life is really like outside of this wrestling gym and, and you know, what it's like in the wrestling room. So hundred percent, like, just seeing what most people do and how most people live. It's just, it's much better. Mm -hmm. Better this way. So to kind of keep us on track for time, if somebody's trying to track you down, or if you have a project that you're really passionate about, this is your opportunity to shout out yourself, shout out anything that you're working on, kind of like put yourself on, on the pedestal here. So my goal with, with all this is, truly to help as many wrestlers as possible and get wrestlers, of course, like I'm a little biased, but to use a model similar to mine or whatever it is, like my training style, get wrestlers to try that and uh, as many wrestlers as possible. If I can get as many wrestlers as possible training with the knowledge that I have that will be a better experience for them and they will get better results. And that, that's, what I, that's been my goal for the longest time. And that's kind of why I spent money on a camera and a mic and all this. It's, I'll probably have better videos. More wrestlers will watch it. More wrestlers will listen. More wrestlers will listen and do what I say. So it's crazy, but I don't know. So this kind of, my, my big thing is just to help as many wrestlers as possible. My Instagram will be, I, I'm sure linked somewhere or something like that. And uh, my my projects right now, I've had different things, but I really have realized for myself that I like the just the coaching, just the one-on-one -on -one coaching online the most for any online products. I've I've, I've there have been good eBooks and good templates that I've definitely gained a lot from, but for me and with the athletes that I have coached online, it seems like some one-on-one -on -one coaching is, is what's necessary to both be on the same page. Like the <laughs> last thing I want to happen is I send you a program 
and what your thought of what the exercise looks like is way different than mine. And then you misread something else and something else the next day. And it's like, you didn't get better because you didn't fully understand. You think I'm a worse coach because what, what you did wasn't even me. And it was kind of like a messed up version of what I wished you did. So now like you have a worse thought of me. So it's, that's the last thing I want to happen. You don't gain anything. You just see a worse image of me. And now no one has advanced at all. So the other way is like, all right, I watch it. We make adjustments. You learn what my system is, what my auto-regulation system is. And then you could do that for the rest of time. Mm -hmm. Well, it kind of goes back to what you had highlighted about uh, building trust and connection with people. And if you're able to demonstrate that in what you offer, then that's great. It aligns with basically the values that it seems that you want to instill. But I mean, there's definitely lots to to kind of think about with this conversation that we've had, but to kind of keep us on track for time, I would like to thank you for joining me on the show and we'll wrap it up. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much. I loved it. You got to talk about me. <laughs> <laughs>